My name is Kyle Willis, and this is Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. All right, welcome back to Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. I am excited to continue our series on the complete entrepreneur. Today, we are jumping into the toolkit of advertising. And I'm stoked to be able to welcome a guest, someone who I have been following for some time now uh, that I think has really been able to capture the essence and understanding of what role advertising plays in a business uh, as well as for both the client side facing as well as an internal side uh, and been able to really communicate how to do it effectively without the, the, the bro marketing tactics, without the, the, uh, the huff and puff, without uh, the, the curtain, you know, the, the, the wizard behind the curtain. It's just the real essence of how to communicate to your audience in a way that buys. Uh, I'm, I'll give a little more intro as we talk, but first off, Bobby Stocks, I'm excited to have you with us in the Roosevelt Room today. Awesome, excited to be here. Bobby, you know, I've enjoyed following you for some time, you know, as I've learned a little bit about you, your start uh, in, uh, in marketing and advertising, and, you know, you've built quite a empire of, uh, as a digital marketing agency, specifically on advertising, as uh, teaching other advertisers, agency owners, how to scale their business. But I always just love beginning with the origin story. I love hearing a little bit about you, uh, where, you're, where you began, how you decided to become an entrepreneur, or if that was decided for you and you stepped into that role. I'd love to kind of just hear a little bit of, of your, your beginnings. What brought you to where you are today? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if I think about, I definitely was born with like the, the entrepreneurial bug because I look back, like I have all those, I know, I wish I could smoke inside the, the house, the wife would kill me. That's the joy of the, the Roosevelt room. I got, yeah, I got the air going. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, I was doing, doing little side hustles all the way back to, I think like an elementary school when I had, uh, I had the, the, um, the lemonade stands, the ice yeah. stands. Uh, I remember I, I actually, I built a team around the ice tea stand. Nice. So okay. I, up, I had it going and then I started paying the kids that were like a year younger than me to manage. <laughs> and, and, so there was definitely always, and I, I mean, I look at it as, for me, advertising, um, the way that it's always came to me is more problem solving. Yeah. Um, or how do I get attention so mm. that somebody can then hear, you know, what the offer is. Because um, we were even doing it then, you know, we would make little stop signs with hands and I'd you know, have the kids jump out in front of the car and, and throw the stop sign up and then say, you know, <laughs> um, I remember then we started realizing that, well, we have to sell something more than iced tea to, you know, have it more of an attractive offer. So I used to have, um, my dad had 
season tickets to the Eagles games and the Phillies games. Yeah. So we'd go to the baseball game and, you know, most of the, the games they would have some sort of commemorative cup. It was yeah. like the big gold. Yeah. And after the games, people would just leave them there. So I would go around and my dad would walk with me and I'd dump out the cups and I would take, you know, a hundred of these cups and I'd take them home and I'd run them through the dishwasher. So I started then selling the iced tea out of these cups. Love it. So people started, you know, they wanted the cup more than necessarily the iced tea and it would allow me to raise the price hmm. when I was selling the iced tea. So now they get a big gulp, it's a Phillies, you know, big gulp cup or the, the best we ever did was I went to, uh, it was a playoff game and I got the, uh, the, the special playoff game big gulp cup. And I, I mean, we, you know, we collected like two, 300 of these things. And then I was able to sell those for five bucks a pop. Oh, man. Two days to sell out of those. That was like the biggest day we ever had on my little corner street. So that was always kind of there. But up until 2012, I worked in the restaurant business. Okay. I started first working in the restaurant business when I was 14. Went to culinary school. Um, started to like dibble and dabble in having little, little side gigs. Like I would do you know, a, a wedding myself, I started setting up like little catering things and yeah. I would use the the restaurant that I worked at, I would use their, uh, you know, catering supplies. So, you know, keep my costs down, I made like a deal with them. But I kind of like got to the end of my, my um, threshold for working in the restaurant business in 2012, 2011. Okay. Um, decided to like take a chance had no idea what I was going to do. Um, quit, quit my job, which like looking back, I was like, okay, like I'm just going to believe that all this stuff's going to work out. I quit my job and lost everything with the shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> lost everything. Was trying to like make it as a financial advisor. Yeah. So, so people call me Bobby Stocks because I used to pay, trade a lot of penny stocks. That's where it comes from. Okay. Yeah, so it's actually not my last name. I kind of guessed that, but uh, I wonder what the background story was. Yeah, so people were just like, I was like a maniac trading penny stocks. Um, and that's why I was like, oh, I'll make it as a financial advisor. And um, really like what happened was I was having trouble making that work. And I never owned a dog. I felt like for some reason, I would say like, I don't know if I was listening to some like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Western music or something about a dog. <laughs> so yeah. I went out, I get this dog, right? And I have the dog sitting right below me now. There she is. Hey buddy. <laughs> and um, I, had to, uh, I had to build a fence for her. You know, of course, first dog I ever gets, like a crazy blue-nosed pit bull. So, my, <laughs> like, this dog needs so much exercise. So, I ended up, I built a fence for the dog, yeah. and I was in a tough spot. It wasn't that difficult to build the fence, and I decided to start a fencing company. And that's really what launched me into having to really think about acquiring clients. Um and that was in 2012 and I started having to solve that problem and get ingenuitive with 
uh, advertising then. And I quit within two, by 2013, I was still, uh, all my advertising was paid advertising. Got it. So it started off with Craigslist and I would do the crazy postings, you know, where it was like every day I was just posting all this different stuff. I created a couple different companies so that I could compete against myself. Nice. So I, I had one company that was super cheap and I had one that was more expensive. Okay. So, and I knew on Craigslist that I would get the same people come coming through. So I try to hit them on different value propositions ah. or jobs. Yeah. And we started doing really well, really quickly. And then 2013 is when I first saw that I could like advertise on Facebook. Um, and I remember, remember my very first Facebook ad for fencing. I had no landing page. There was like nothing. It was just like, do you want fencing? <laughs> there was like a picture. Yeah. Totally green. Ran the ad. And I had people messaging the page. And I think then like the targeting was location. Okay. And um, people were messaging my page. And then I'd message them back and nobody would ever respond because... Sure. Little did we know it was going in the other box. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I remember that. Story. I had somebody who wanted to acquire my fencing company that I never found their message until like the middle of 2016. And that was like all the way back from year Because <laughs> it was in the other box. I was like, no. Is your offer still good three years later? <laughs> um, but that's what, like, I just started to dig deeper into marketing. I realized that. If, how can I run an ad and get people to give me their contact information yeah. so that I could reach them? Like it was so, you know, day one type stuff that I was like trying to solve each problem, right? So I ran yeah. that ad, I got a bunch of responses, couldn't get a hold of anybody because I had no contact information. So I thought, how can I get their contact information? Yeah. And then I, and that's where I then started, uh, I was like, websites, landing pages. So I started teaching myself optimized press back okay. then. Yeah. Um, you know, built my first terribly ugly landing page, ran an ad, started to get you yeah. know, leads here and there. And it just evolved from that. So, I mean, we built that entire fencing company, um, not off of referrals. Like I started going like B&Is and I was like, it was at that point because yeah. I started to get the inbounds, I would go to BNI and I would just be like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Like I have leads coming in that I'm paying for that are interested and it's like now. Um, so we built the fencing company up rather quickly, like from having no idea what I was doing to by the time we got to 2015, I had, um, you know, we, we had commercial space, I had two crews, I had salespeople, we were doing, you know, we had jobs like literally six days a week, yeah. you know, every single day. Um, wow. And that was all off of Facebook ads. Wow. And I didn't realize at that time, just like you, you know, when we started talking here, that I didn't realize that that was odd. It, <laughs> it was out of the normal. This is not, from, yeah. From how most business owners grew. Um, and it just was light years. And I still like, I think the last one I got was two months ago. I still get leads, referral hmm. leads from those jobs. Oh, and wow. I, stopped, I stopped. The last fence I ever did was November of 
Wow. Every year I still get text messages because I have the same phone number from referrals. So I always say like the quickest way to build a referral business is through paid traffic. That's good to know. Get the leads in, do a good job, and you're going to get referrals. Um, And that's how you can hack. Because most of the big companies that I was up against then, they've been in business for 30 years, right? And it took like that period of time of slowly building it before the big referral market kicked in for them. Totally. And it, you know, pay traffic allowed me to hack that, you know, 10 years and do it too. So that that's really interesting because you know as I I think I shared with you privately it's like you know I've had more of that reverse start in my business uh, I launched my marketing agency back in 2011 because I got to a point where some people were asking me well hey Kyle what's this thing about Facebook and social media how it can work for a business you know I had my start back in 2007 I was a national accounts manager for a startup social media company my role was to onboard any business that could represent 50,000 or more people. So it opened my eyes to how a business could use social media. And this was still when, you know, my uh, Facebook was college email only and MySpace still had some prevalence, but people <laughs> were ready to jump off and do something different. Um, and so, you know, as, as I got to that point, people were asking me, well, what is the social media thing all about? I remember one of my mentors telling me he still thought it was going to be, you know, the flash in the pan, some trend. Um, but I had to rely, I, built my business relying predominantly on those uh, referrals that can't have come in and and it's been good but there's certainly a limit there's a ceiling that referrals hit when they're when they're coming in great you got things you got business going when the referrals aren't coming in if you don't have something like a paid advertising channel bringing those leads to you you're sitting around twiddling your thumb so I love to hear, it, as, I, as I imagine, with the amount of, you know, when I think about where you guys are at today from starting, well, it sounds like, you know, really starting um, with a fencing business uh, in 2013 and then ending that 15, but where you are today, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, from one of my previous conversations, I think you were telling me um, about, eight, or, uh, about eight figures you guys are looking at this year, um, revenue-wise, predominantly from paid advertising and the courses that you, you teach, programs that you have. That's huge. That's massive growth in five years. And uh, I imagine there's some, some aspects that you'd say, okay, either lessons learned or what you've seen work for others and not work that as an entrepreneur saying, okay, do I just go put up my ad with my landing page and call that good? Where should someone begin with paid advertising? What are, what are some of the foundational elements so they don't burn thousands of dollars in their, in, in trying to figure it out, but trying to just know what, what's a simple place to test the waters. Right. So, I mean, for me, like the real, the real like two parts that worked. So I wouldn't recommend anybody go out there and dump a ton of money in the paid advertising um, unless they are confident with sales. Like that was basically like I could generate, um, like I'm good with like face-to-face sales, you know, so I was able to bridge that gap in the local business, right? So, I mean, and it's certainly, every market's a little bit different. And I'll, I'll talk about like, if you have a marketing agency or if you're selling those type of services, especially by phone, Yeah. right? And I think that's the, 
the kind of like, what's the big fear of, of why people go to a referral versus pay traffic? And it, and we see it for with, especially like from our local part of the agency is that's always the make or break, right? It's sales. Um, because the temperature of a referral versus a cold traffic is vastly different. Totally, totally. The second I hear a business owner say, yeah, I close 80% of the leads I get, I'm like, this guy's going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, that, for, me, for me, that was it. Like I could, when I started my marketing agency, I, uh, I started, you know, I, 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 went, I reverted back to referral leads yeah. because I, I struggled to close people on the phone that came off of a campaign. Interesting. Um, and the second we started to address, like, what do we need to do to make sure these convert? Which for me was, I'm not a sales guy, so let's put a sales guy in there. Got it. It's really when everything started to take off. And it gave us some breathing room to then say, okay, we're converting inbound consultations at, you know, 10% or 8%. It's getting us at least, you know, where we're not necessarily losing money on month one. Um, now what can we start to tweak yeah. our marketing so that we can start to inch those numbers up and yeah. system. Um, for local, for me, I was able to do it right away because you know, you're going out, you're talking to the person, you can build trust. But with that, it's, it's just like on the other side, it's follow up. You know, I used to close people a year after I gave them the fencing quote. Because I would just keep emailing them. Yeah. Even if they didn't respond, I'd just keep emailing. And I would have people thank me for being so persistent because they got so busy in their life and they didn't want to respond because they weren't ready to go and they didn't want to have to get into a conversation to explain why they weren't ready to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they had all this, uh, this stuff going on for them that they didn't necessarily want to share with some stranger over an email. So, you know, I always tell people email you know, don't stop emailing or contacting them until they tell you to get lost. Okay. Okay. So yeah, for me, it's like, it, and I would say for any marketing agency, it's really important to like look at and be honest with yourself on where you're, where you are with sales. Um, you know, and the, and the agencies I see that grow the fastest are always better. They can be better at sales than they actually are at marketing. Yeah. And that's like, you know, a double-edged sword because you, you see a lot of marketing agencies that don't deliver any results. Sure, sure. But they're like a seven-figure marketing agency, right? <laughs> and it's just because they're so good at sales. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the guys that actually are really good at marketing, like I was, I had to, you know, really get honest with myself that I needed, uh, I needed to maybe give away more of the pie to a sales guy or okay. – you know, sweeten that commission deal so that I could get a really good sales guy in. And once I did that, like the first year of my agency, which was 2016, it was, you know, I would have a 10K month and then I wouldn't make any money for like 90 days. Okay. And once we addressed the sales, like we literally went from a 5K a month, 8K a month agency to January of 2017, we did 30K and we never looked back. And it was like every month like that because it allowed me to get into a space where I could then just do what I liked, which was 
How can I generate more leads? What can I yeah. test? What video can I shoot? What can I, because I knew that I had salespeople that were like, feed me, feed me, feed me. Mm. Um, and that's really where the, you know, gasoline met the, the small fire that had been there. I love that. I love that, that aspect of, you know, looking at advertising as a one two punch. And I, I certainly run into this sometimes with our clients as well. Of, hey, remember conversation with one, one client running paid ads for them um they came back saying you know we're, we're gonna end services with you guys and so what what do you mean never never heard any complaints with you guys before and so well the the quality of the leads uh, are, is pretty subpar i said well let's talk about that i mean as we dug into it we discovered you know well you've given us all the, the conditions of what type of the lead you were looking for but they're not closing and so is the issue, the lead that's coming in, and therefore we can make some adjustments to the landing page, to the questionnaire, to whatever the conditions are that qualify them before they ask for your time, or is the process and the challenge when they get on the phone that you're not really addressing what their needs are and you don't know how to close them. And you know, I'll own whatever we need to own in terms of, hey, let's make sure there's some better leads. But it got to that point and I said, look, I'm, we're not, and I, I can only be responsible to the point that they pick up the phone and talk to you. Once they get on the phone, that's where it's on you. And I can make some great recommendations of friends who uh, provide salespeople, who do sales coaching. That's just not what we do. And so in that, uh, that aspect of, you know, being able to have the sales component make or break the quality of any type of ad campaign, uh, I'd love to know in your perspective, as we started the advertising, but kind of dig into the sales aspect a little bit. First off, and I, I hear a lot of different people, a lot of sales professionals say different things on this. Is it your belief that anyone could be a salesperson? Everyone is a salesperson, or is it kind of like, no, you either have that skill or you don't. And when you don't have it, you need to outsource that. I know this is like the big, it was like the Grant Cardone and Jordan Belfort. What I did. Oh yeah, that was, I will, I will not go there with you. I will not make you. No, I, I 100% agree with Jordan on this because like we have our local agency and then actually the majority of like what I work in today is our publisher program where we have a series of partners Yeah. Uh, where we're 50, 50 on, we run all their marketing and they're all high ticket programs. Okay. And so we run the marketing, we manage the sales team, we do the copywriting, the video editing, like we have the whole team for that. Um, and I definitely believe the best salespeople are naturals because I've seen it time after time. You can pull people off the street, throw them in, give them all the same leads. And without a shadow of a doubt, you put 10 people on there that have never done sales before. You give them the most coldest leads one of those guys or two of those guys are going to start closing deals. Yeah. Um, and it's because they're just, they're not, a, you know, whatever their personality type is, they're not afraid to confront, to ask deep questions. Uh, like my wife is a killer salesperson. Awesome. She's, you know, I've watched her close 30 K cash upfront deals off of LinkedIn. Wow. Um, it's she just her personality type is she she's not afraid to confront stuff like she's naturally inquisitive to the point where like she'll ask so many questions that it could make people uncomfortable yeah. because that's how she is it's how she operates it's not weird to her um 
And I think though, you know, there's a certain type of personality that makes a great salesperson. Yeah. And if you want to build a big company, you need to have great salespeople. You know, it's just, so I think you can train people to become better at sales, right? I think you can train yourself to become better at sales. But I realized at the end of 2016, because I had, was going through all the sales programs. I was listening to Grant Cardone. I was reading Spin Selling. I was Chet Holmes. I was going through all that stuff. I'm like, I need to get good at sales. And the second I get, become a killer at sales, you know, the world won lock for me. And then I just came to the realization that if I want to get good at sales, I can do it on my spare time. Yeah. But I need to, I need to double down on my skill set, right? Like the one thing type stuff. And I need to just go find somebody who is a, a, you know, a fish in water when it comes to sales. Love it. And that's been my philosophy ever since that, because I just saw the results that came from it. Yeah. Right? Like I can write copy. I'm okay at copy. I make all types of mistakes, <laughs> that and the other, right? And that's why like, I don't write the copy. Um, it's just, you know, it's all that. And, and there's a mindset shift to get there because a lot, what I've seen a lot of people do is they get stuck in, well, when I have the money, I'm going to then be able to do that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they're still relying on themselves, not being good at all these things and need, you need like quality and all those things to actually be able to get the money. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. And you know, as much as we have this series called The Complete Entrepreneur, we'll, we'll dig into it in a little bit of some practical elements of this. Um, but I, I'm a firm believer that not one person is going to be a rock star at sales, advertising, mindset, copywriting, health and fitness, whatever the tactics. And you know, we, have, we have a series of um, multiple different uh, toolkits that we're talking about as the entrepreneur. And I have a firm belief that there's going to be some that you're a rock star at and some that you need to outsource to other rock stars to, to help equip you and build you. Even if it's not so much, I'm going to build a whole team around me. What are the ones that I need in order to take my business from right. A to B? And those are the ones that I need to hire out first. And I think as it's the bottlenecks, where's your bottlenecks, right? Just address those initial ones, just like you're saying. And that's, that's how you do it piecemeal. Exactly. And it's that unfortunate challenge I've seen with so many entrepreneurs is that fear of spending money to, to hire a professional who can do it really well, uh, that they'll step over dollars to save pennies. And that reality of look, man, if you, if you just hired this out, yeah, it's going to cost you $5,000 a month, but that $5,000 is going to turn into 15, 20, whatever it might be, because someone has already spent all that time and money learning the skill set that you don't have, that you're not going to be able to develop in the time you need in order to scale your business. Yeah. So that's where, you know, I love it. The first sales guy I hired, I was like, I can't afford somebody full time. And I only had about $5,000 cash burned through my credit. So it wasn't like I could lean on credit cards anymore. And I just basically was like, okay, let me, I I knew a guy who was selling cars, really good selling cars. And I said, Hey, for 20% reoccurring commission lifetime, are you open to taking calls at night and during the weekend? Hmm. And he was like, hell yeah. And that was it. Love it. That's awesome. And I just, you know, let's just start filling it in from there. That's awesome. I love it. So let me kind of just dig a little bit uh, 
a practical, you know, I want to come back to this in a moment because I think this is where I love to, to, to land our, our ship here or land our, our plane here and be able to have some, some practical calls to action at the end. But digging a little bit uh, into this advertising element, you know, you've seen the game change a lot. You've seen the platforms change. Uh, in, you've seen incredible success in a variety of different ways with different industries. But for someone who's either just starting or who's either been burned from advertising before that they've done themselves or hire someone who didn't do it well before, I love the insights that you have of just what you see working today, either from platforms or tactics within the platforms that you may be able to say, hey, this is, this is a good place to begin. Um, if there's certain, pl- you know, this is also where I welcome if there's, uh, I know you have some programs and courses that you guys offer for the, some of those foundational elements. What have you seen work and is there, how can someone build on what is working? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of different things. I would say like what's given me success from the, from the get-go and I don't think it's ever going to change, um, at least not in the way our society looks today, yeah. is uh, video. So I built the fencing company. The, what allowed my advertising to stand out was video. So I, you know, selfie sticks came out and I used to just do selfie sticks. Got it. stick on the job, showing what we were doing. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of psychology that you can dig into around why video uh, works to, you know, put you as an authority. But if you're not good at copywriting, no. uh, video is a hack for that, right? Because oh, oh. everybody's, you know, some of the best copywriters I've talked to said when they write the best copy, they just talk into their phone like they're pitching their friend hmm. and get it transcribed. There's um, Google Docs has a little feature that a lot of people don't realize is that you can uh, turn on your microphone and talk and Google Docs will transcribe it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, you know, the best copy is conversational, right? So, but for me, video is, is always been a hack. I love video you know, um, selfie videos. Now we do a lot of higher end production type videos, but no matter what business you're in, especially if you're more local and not yeah. in uber competitive, uh, you know, marketing education space, video is just, I've, it's, it's, it's almost like it's a 99.9% success rate. Wow. Um, because very few people are doing it. Yeah. People are afraid to get on camera. They overcomplicate it. They think that they need to be, you know, smooth. It's just like when you hear your own voice, it's like everybody's like, oh, I sound terrible, right? It's like your own perception that you're casting on, you yeah. know, how it's going to be perceived. But I mean, I would show up to people's houses and they would be like, oh, it's the video guy. And they were like <laughs> excited to see me. And I'm like, yeah. okay. And it did a lot of the selling for me. And That's it wasn't cool. complex. But you know, to piggyback off of that, we're moving a lot of our stuff from local to, you know, B2B to high ticket into YouTube. Okay. Um, YouTube right now is crushing it. It's the cost isn't as much. The quality, the intent of the leads are better. Wow. Um, not only because YouTube has really become such a search engine, you know, everybody is searching how can I, you know, fix this or how can I do that? Um, 
We have a buddy of ours, uh, Nicholas Ayers, who has built two different insurance agencies solely off the back of YouTube. Wow. Um, and I've seen him coach people into generating roofing leads, Medicare leads, annuity leads, like you name it. Yeah. Coming off of YouTube, not only because of, and people always say, well, why would those people be searching YouTube, right? But it's because, and I know we understand this, but a lot of people don't, that YouTube and Google search is the same platform, just like Instagram and Facebook is the same platform. So, you know, you're getting that similar lookalike type audiences from the Google search, and then they're getting hit on YouTube, you know. So it's like kind of that bridge between, you know, pure interruption marketing over on Facebook and search traffic. So, and you're getting those cheap cost per clicks, you're getting those cheap leads and booked appointments. So, I mean, that's really like YouTube video and, and driving long form leads on that. You know, I'm even, one guy I saw was getting 96 cent long form mortgage real estate leads in Florida off of YouTube. I oh, mean, I think every real estate and uh, mortgage <laughs> brokers raising their hand right now saying, how the hell did I get that? And that's what, they, those were like the numbers that we were getting back in like 2015, 2016 in mortgage on Facebook. Wow. Which is where I really like made my name back in 2016 was, you know, it started off in the construction space, but then, it, you know, we were just murdering it, getting real estate yeah. leads, long form real estate leads off Facebook. Love it. Love it. Okay. So let me ask kind of the similar question from the opposite side then. As, as you've seen <clears throat> uh, you know, uh, YouTube grow in success and the, uh, the ripe opportunity within that platform, where would you caution uh, advertise, entrepreneurs who are wanting to get started with advertising? Is there any areas of caution either within a platform or a style of advertising that you say, this style doesn't work anymore. The style, the effect, the efficiency of that type of advertising, that type of platform is not as effective. And this may be an industry by industry situation. I, I get that. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think it would be industry by industry, but there are. I think there's some broad strokes. Stuff, okay. Right. Um, whether you're going to be doing, I would say, anything outside of, you know, hyper local SEO, where your leads are literally calling you. I think it's really key and important to go into paid advertising first by looking at what are you going to do with the lead when it comes in. Hmm, And this is, you know, my, my third business is a software company that we built. We, you know, we have, I think like close to 2000 users and it's a software that's, um, you know, organic looking emails, texts, voicemails. It's got, um, auto dialers in it, um, Facebook messaging. It's, you know, it's the five channel follow-up system. Everything is possible to help whatever business you're in to make sure that you're capitalizing on every single lead. You're hitting them on multiple channels, right? Because in today's world, we're like, it's like that weird time frame when humans lived with like some dinosaurs is that, some people respond to voicemails and then other people are weirded out by somebody leaving a voicemail. You sure. know, some people still like using email and other people never check their, check their email box. And then other people only want to text, right? 
Um, some people still pick up their phone if you call them. Uh, some people only like Facebook Messenger. So, you know, taking those different personas into account, yeah. realizing that in order to really make lead gen successful, it's always going to be about your contact ratio, you know, how many of those people you're actually getting on the phone. Yeah. What's your long-term follow-up look like? If you come into lead generation like that, I, I think that it's possible to make every platform work. Now, obviously, if you can come into it thinking, how can I make every platform work? Then you're going to crush it, right? Because some platforms are really, really going to work and other ones, you know, are going to be profitable for you. Yeah. And I think that's just like a, a broad stroke for any marketing campaign, whether you're in high ticket, it, you know, HVAC, it doesn't matter. How can we set ourselves up so that it's almost impossible to lose? And that's always going to be about, it's really going to be about your follow-up, yeah. uh, you know, for the leads that do come in. And that sounds like an incredible tool for the importance of follow-up. I, I love that aspect of having that plan when I start my campaign, whatever the platform might be, how am I going to follow up, leverage the lead I get. It's one thing to be like, hey, I got 20 leads this week. Isn't that great? But if I don't have that follow-up plan, how many of those leads are going to fall by the wayside? Tell me a little bit about this program that you just created uh, and, or, or when you did create it. Tell me a little about it because it sounds very practical and beneficial for a business owner to really leverage the most value out of the leads they get from an ad. Yeah, so it's called Contact Smarter. Um, I have two other, two other partners in it. And essentially, um, it's an all-in-one system, right? So what we've found works for especially local lead gen is long-form leads, right? Which just means anything more than name, email, phone number. Yeah. And the reason why we like that is because inside of survey forms, right, um, a long-form questionnaire, you can really have like a sales question. You know, so say if it's a roofing client, um, yeah. what area are you in? Uh, how old is your roof? What type of roof do you have? You know, did you recently have storm damage? Um, you know, are you looking for financing? You know, all those different questions. It, one, help all the questions help the, uh, the stickiness of the action that they're taking inside their brain, meaning that when you do reach out to them, they are more likely to remember that they filled this out, right? right? So it increases the, the, that fact. But so what our system does is you can build those forms inside the system. You can build your uh, messenger bots inside the system. And cool. anybody doesn't know that, right? It's like, because a messenger bot's the same thing as a survey form. It's a conversation that we're having. Yeah. And I'm asking you certain questions based off of whatever, however you answered the previous question that I asked. Um, so this system allows you to build one survey form and you can toggle it on and off to make okay. it a messenger bot or survey form. And then from there, what it does is you know, it gives you a link. You can run that in your app. From there, it you know fires, you can tell Facebook where to fire your conversion tracking. Okay. So if you want to optimize for people, let's say that only want a $400,000 home up or more, you can fire different pixels in different areas of it so that from there, it moves it directly in the into the follow-up sequence. Okay. The follow-up sequence is email, it's text message, it's uh, voicemail drop, and if they went through Messenger, it's meth it's chat, yeah. right? So now you can follow up with them on every single one of those things. 
Yeah. So somebody might get an email that says, hey, just saw you went through your survey. That's great. I'm going to send you a text message. Look out for that. Bang. Five minutes later, they get a text message. Hey, send you a text message. I also sent you a voicemail or I called you, left a voicemail, right? And then follow up on that. And the system tracks the response. Awesome. awesome. And then from there, inside the response, um, we have it set up for sales teams. So you can round robin all of that. Um, you can track your sales team and see, well, you know, John on average is taking uh, 40 hours to respond versus Susan, who's responding to her leads on average in three hours. Yeah. Right. And then you can start to look and address that. We've also built in call booking because we know, again, it's almost like a, uh, somebody checking out at a register. They have, you have all that stuff there where it's like the, you know, the cash grab stuff, like yeah. kitschy things that they buy. Yeah. Hey, she's chewing on her back. Um, <laughs> I thought you. I thought you heard my dogs. I got my dogs right outside my door. And you know, all that crazy stuff. Where she's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we also integrate a call booking calendar in it. So okay. when somebody comes through, they go through the lead, they hit a page, and then says, "Great, let's book a call." Right, and it's also integrated with the follow up, so that you know you have uh, multi channel reminders going out. Wow, that's awesome. The name of the game, right, we all know, is how can we get more leads to show up on a call so yeah. that we can actually talk to them. Yeah. So, so that's like, that's, that's the overview of what the system looks like. We've tried to weed everything down so that people don't have to have all these different things and they have Zapier and, and this Frankenstein system. It's yeah. one system. You can build your survey forms in there. You can have your follow-up sequences in there. You can have your call booking applications in there. Um, it has auto dialers. You know, you can go in and just press and it starts automatically dialing wow. in your leads. It has call forwarding. It has whisper messages. It's basically like, let's wrap it all up into this one thing that makes lead generation as profitable. That's as incredible. Possible. Yeah. And so that's contactsmarter, contactsmarter.com? Yep. Awesome. That sounds like an incredible tool. I'm thinking right now with our, my, my own business, my own clients, that at issue, you know, thinking of that client I had a couple of years ago saying the lead quality sucks. Well, how did you follow up with that? And we could see, you know, uh, where they made the call, where they didn't make the call. But if they had equipped them with a platform like this, how much more effective the leads would have been when it's properly. Yeah, and this is, this is our second, second iteration. We first start, we first built a system much like lesser bones, which is email, text, voicemail back in um, the end of 2017, because we were just like looking at our clients. We're like, you know, I mean, I see this is like the number one thing, especially for a marketing agency yeah. is the stance that every marketing agency should come from is what do I need to do to get my client as close to the sale as possible? I like that. And I, I see a lot of people in the market that are struggling because they're, they're saying, how can I generate a lead for somebody? Yeah. And in today's market, nobody wants leads. Nobody cares about leads. It's way too competitive to only come from that angle. You need to come from how can I develop a system that gets my client as close as possible to the sale. Because look, if you develop a system that gets somebody as close as possible to the sale, gives you a lot of leverage, and you might just wanna go into that business yourself. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? So you might as well do it. It's, it's, it's the best for everybody. And that's where we've been developing and iterating a, a system since then. You know, we, we relaunched this Contact Smarter um, in December of uh, 2000, uh, where are we in? 2018. And this one's, this system's really taken off. Um, you know, we're, we're looking for, a, you know, an eight figure exit on this one. Uh, adding video in there's, you know, we're really trying to push the, the edges on this one and uh, it's doing really well. That's awesome, man. I mean, check that out. I think that'll be a great tool for the entrepreneur to be able to like, leverage the most out of their advertising and their sales. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and another cool little feature we built on it, it's just a click funnel, it's a shareable. Okay. So you can build out entire funnels and then share it with somebody oh. else. From the surveys to the whole thing. Yeah. It's oh great. nice. That's yeah. that's a huge, yeah, because there's those pre-built templates that I can just rip and replace from one client to the next, from one, yeah. you know, other buddies. Yeah. The only thing I enjoyed about click funnels of hey, I built a great funnel, share that with me. You right. got it. Man. Yeah, when we put like ridiculous affiliate fees on it, like uh, you get 50% for life affiliate commissions. Wow. So people, we're already seeing the community building funnels, sharing them, you know, creating content and then getting 50% affiliate commissions off of that. That's huge. That's huge. Well, Bobby, I think this has been really insightful for me, uh, hopefully for our listeners, as they are really understanding the role advertising plays in the entrepreneur. What I'd love to just wrap up, kind of end with, is as we talked a little bit about it earlier, this aspect that not one, one entrepreneur cannot have uh, be excellent at all these skills by themselves. And uh, knowing when is the right time to look beyond themselves and hire out either an agency, an individual, uh, to really equip and serve their advertising needs. As an agency, I'd love to hear from you. When do you think is that right time um, that someone should be calling you up and say, Bobby, I think I need your help? Hmm. Um, I think like right back to what I was harping on before. Like if you're, if you're a business or, you know, if I was in the open market of taking on uh, consultants or people who had courses that wanted to grow, sure. because um, right now we only take equity partners, but if I was taking on those agency clients, which I used to do, yeah, it's always, it's always where you feel like it's time to, that you have a product that is consistent and you know, you're just, you're, you're ready to, to scale. You feel like you have some semblance of a sales process down. Um, because again, at the end of the day, uh, you could get lucky. Like, and that's what I see a lot of people trying to do, like get lucky with a market. Let yeah. me find this untapped market where they're not hearing from anybody and the leads are going to be cheap and they've never really been pitched too much. So doesn't matter how bad I am. <laughs> I'm going to some sales, right? That's not really a strategy that you want to risk everything on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's always, again, it just always makes sense. Like, okay, how are we, how do we plan on selling these people? How can we do it so that we can be profitable, um, you know, as soon as possible, you know, and yeah. not always like another thing is like realizing that when it comes to paid acquisition, you, it's, it's about getting the people in so that you can do a good job and then start to build those referrals. Yeah. So 
if you're not making money in the front end, that's fine. As long as you know that you have a product that's going to work so that then yeah. you can start to make money and get referrals. That's another big thing. I think with most local businesses is, you know, I hear them say, well, you know, I'm used to getting like 10, uh, uh, 10X or 20X or 30X ROI because in their mind, they're like, I pay B&I $800 a month and this year, <laughs> this year I made $100,000. And it's like, yeah, that may be true, but it also took you an entire year to do that. Yeah. You had to drive and get up at eight o'clock in the morning. You know, if you miss, you're getting kicked out. Like there's all this stuff, this, this opportunity loss that people yeah. don't take into account. I'd rather all day long be able to put a dollar in and get $2 out all day long yeah. than have to go through a long cycle that uses all my time for me to get a 10 times return. Because if I can automate that sale, I can start making more money on the back end, right? And, you know, I've, over the years I've, I've teamed up with and I've met a lot of guys that have sold their businesses for up to nine figures and beyond. No. They will all say the exact same thing. Your business is not worth anything. It doesn't matter how much organic business you have coming in. Yeah. Somebody is not going to buy that. The only thing that investors buy is do you have a system to generate clients and make sales that is automated? Like, you know, it's the old Dan Kennedy, like you don't have a business unless you can buy business. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's really, really helpful. So man, let me ask just one last question on this because I think you and I have seen, you have seen where, where especially in the last probably three years, the market pop up a lot of these new agencies, one man agencies, one woman agencies, um, some that are excellent and crushing it. Some that took a course and now call themselves a guru. What can an entrepreneur ask to know, you know, when they're trying to vet saying, Hey, I know I need to hire a uh, higher help. I know this is the skill set. I'm not going to own myself. What, how, how can you, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff? What is, what is a good question for an entrepreneur to ask when they're evaluating an agency or, or another advertising individual to say, this is the right person I should have joined my team. Yeah. I would say if, if you're buying unicorn results that the sales guy is selling you, you're probably making the wrong decision. <laughs> I like that. Like, and, and then that's the, and that's the part. It's like when somebody's thinking about hiring an agency, you know, they're usually sometimes in a little bit of a rough spot, right? If everything was going well, they might not necessarily be thinking that, sure. right? Cause they're, they're, it's, they're still gonna make that, that paradigm shift from organically I'm getting a bunch of business and there's high margins, right? I don't think a lot of people jump from, I'm getting a lot of business, I have high margins, yeah. let's take this risk on spending a bunch of money on getting more business that I have to pay for that's gonna be lower margins, right? So usually the paradigm shift is like what you said, they're getting the ups and downs of the organic business, yeah. right? So they're in a down and they're like, can't do this anymore. And it's a risk. And I think that's why so many business owners, they talk to one, one agency that's saying, look, we're gonna be shooting for a dollar in, two dollars out, you know, and over time it's gonna increase as we dial your systems in. Then they get on the phone with another guy who's a fast talker, who's saying, oh yeah, I got guys, you know, you're gonna get 10 X, you're gonna apply that, I guarantee it, we're gonna guarantee it, this, that, and the other. They buy in, they get burned, they never hear from the guy again. And that's it. 
right? So you should go in, like I would much rather, and I know for myself, I'd much rather buy a service provider that's really setting decent expectations up front and is pushing me to think realistic. I like that. I love that. Those Those are the agency owners that have actually scaled people. They have account managers, their systems in place. Like they know that it's a process. It's not an overnight, you know, miracle drug. Uh, amen to that. And I think that's a, a great way to distinguish uh, the reality of who knows what they're doing from the charlatans. Yep. And it's the unfortunate reality of kind of where we are today. Is so much talk that you have to, it's, I've talked to so many different businesses uh, who get on the phone with me and like, yeah, SEO doesn't work for me. Retargeting doesn't work for me. Right. Like, well, it may not have worked with the last person, but that's why you're talking to me. And as we're called no to the quo, we're here to change that status quo expectation of what you've come to know. But man, I think you've given us a lot to think on, act on in terms of, first off, understanding the role advertising plays in the marketing mix for the entrepreneur. And then the, the importance of being able to have a sales component to accompany what advertising does. I love what you've created with Context Smarter. I'm gonna check that out myself. It sounds like an incredible tool. Is there any other way that you would like people to learn more about you and the services you guys offer or anything else that you'd love for our audience to know who is Bobby Stocks and how I can stay connected to this great guy? Yeah, we, um, you know, I'm, I'm old school, so I'm just on Facebook. Yeah. Getting old now. Yeah, Facebook is now the way we define old. <laughs> so you can find me on Facebook, Bobby Stocks. We have a we also have a little Facebook group that we've been doing starting to do a lot of cool things in called uh advertising hustle. And I just have you know, I have my team in there, so we have uh uh our main copywriter, our email copywriter, um my full-time video guy. Um, we're going to have our, one of our, our sales guys in there. So we just bring in a lot of other experts Yeah. and you know, they just kind of give tips and tricks on how they think about, you know, how they're writing copy or how they're writing emails. And it gives a good, I think a much better sense. I know a, a lot of kind of the resources out there. It's always like one guru, um, not to rag on Kevin David. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen his stuff. It's yeah. like, yeah. like XYZ Ninja. Um, but it, like, it, it takes a team of experts, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way anybody can be good, that good at anything. Um, and the ex, the, that, those individual people are the ones that have those little golden nuggets, right? Because it's always like the, the deep context is what can make a big shift in how you operate in different areas of your business. Um, yeah. yeah, that's huge, man. And I'll make sure to link to Advertising Hustle in our show notes, as well as Context Smarter. So our listeners who uh, are, are driving in the car right now and haven't been able to write that name down, uh, if you go to mfrrpodcast.com, we'll link to both Context Smarter and Advertising Hustle so you can find those quickly. But Bobby, I think you've given us a lot to think on and act on today in understanding what advertising is and the role it plays in the toolkit of the complete entrepreneur. And thank you so much for what for your time and the value you brought with us. Absolutely helpful for us today. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.
Hey, I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. If you heard something today that you would like to follow up on and be able to connect with us, connect with our guest, we will have their contact information as well as any links to resources they talked about from Facebook groups, their website, any type of offers that they gave on our website at mfrrpodcast.com. Once again, that is mfrrpodcast.com. Join us there. I'd love to keep the conversation going, and you'll be able to get all of our show notes as well as links that the guests spoke about, so that way we can really serve you. Really do appreciate you spending time with us today in this episode. Hope you have a great rest of your day.